Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning again, everybody. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts here at the middle of the week. It is a hump day here on this Wednesday, sunny and a high of 87. Uh, no rain in sight here for a couple of days anyway. I guess our next chance looks to be Sunday. So we're um, high and dry right now, high temperatures, but not too bad. 76 here on the 13th day of July. Glad you're with us uh, here today. Uh, we've got a busy show again for you today. We talked a lot yesterday about the uh, issue with the um, McKinley Field for the Champaign uh, Central football team and being able to use that at least once. That's the goal right now, maybe down the road a little more. We had a lot of input on that uh, yesterday, and we're going to follow it up real quick. We couldn't get him on yesterday, but we could today. Patrick Rouse, uh, the president of GTPS Insurance here in Champaign, is uh, one of the guys that has been spearheading the effort, in fact, he had a letter he sent to the uh, school board back in the wintertime asking for this very thing, and the school board approved it here a couple of days ago, and now it's up to the uh, city. It moves to the city, and so we'll talk with him about that, and then uh, after that, we'll do some open line the rest of the show all the way up until 11 o'clock today. Uh, tomorrow, for about a half an hour, the Champaign County Sheriff Dustin Harmon will join us. Just uh, recently shut down the uh, downtown jail, turned out the lights and left. So now the main jail is the satellite jail, which they just got the uh, special uh, use permit approved, uh, barely, but they got it done by the Urbana City Council. So we'll talk to him and then do some open line after that. Uh, Monday, Paul Barrett, publisher of the News Gazette, will be with us. And then during the course of the week, uh, Champaign City Councilman Tom Bruno Tom, with some comments in the paper today, some brief ones anyway, uh, about the absent city council member, Alicia Beck, who hasn't been in a council meeting again since uh, May 17th. And the headline is, Officials on Absent Council Member, Ask Her. But uh, Tom Bruno will be with us on uh, Tuesday of next week. Julia Reitz and Urbana Mayor Diane Marlin as well next week here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. But we'll get it started here in just a moment with uh, Patrick Rouse. We'll talk... Champaign Central and McKinley Field again, as uh, he's been leading that effort. And then we'll get into some open line time. Inflation numbers are out, not good numbers, 9.1%. So that went way up. You could tell, and again, everything in Washington, they don't do things in a vacuum. I've told you that before. And uh, the White House was pretty quick yesterday afternoon to kind of try to downplay the numbers, so they must have known they were going to be bad. When you do that, you're playing defense, and they were trying to – play a little offense, I guess, and say, well, you know, it's this, and the gas is down, which it is in recent weeks, and these numbers do reflect last month more so than today. But everybody's getting hit in the pocketbook. There's no doubt about that. All right, 909, Patrick Rouse next, and then open line here today on A Penny for Your Thoughts.
Back on A Penny for Your Thoughts at 9-11. Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, Seven Deadly Sins That Could Wreck Your Life Plan. Join Thorpe Facer and the Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center today at 1.30. Reserve your space, 217-337-1111. We had a lot of talk yesterday about uh, Unit 4 and their approval of at least to get it to this point, to the next step to get it to the city, about Champaign Central playing a game in September on their home field. McKinley Field and Patrick Rouse, who is the president of GTPS Insurance, played a little football yourself. I did. It's yeah. been a long time. I'm an old <laughs> retired guy now, Brian. That's right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, very good. And um, this has been a big topic. I know it was a big step the other night. It was. the school district. It was. So yeah. it was, uh, you know, probably six months in the making. Uh, it started actually probably a year ago. Um when my son became a freshman at Central and, and came home and said, you know, Dad, we don't play our games at McKinley Field. And I, I was embarrassed to say that I didn't know that. And uh, the kids on the team really indicated that they would love the opportunity to play this game. So we kind of started doing a deep dive to see how we ended up here and to see if it was a possibility to, to play a game there. Yeah. Now, there are some games that are played there. And again, it was $7.1 million renovation, which was a great renovation. It's a right? beautiful, beautiful facility. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, terrific. Uh, we played freshman football there. We played JV football there. We've had girls soccer, track meets. The the homecoming powder puff game was there <laughs> under the lights last year. So I think we've showed uh, the ability to to pull off some events uh, at that location. I know some people have tried to figure out. So when they did this agreement, when they did the renovation, and then it was intergovernmental agreement, I guess, between the right. city, I guess the neighborhoods tied in with the city, and then Unit 4. Yeah. about not playing on Friday nights. Yeah, that... so I've I've kind of gone back and done some deep dive from what I didn't pay attention to back in 2018. And really there were kind of four main issues that some some neighbors and, and some folks that were on the city council had, uh, you know, because it was kind of a disruptive thing to the neighbor. They haven't played football there since 1970. And I think there mm-hmm. was some real concern among the neighbors. You know, you, you put a high school football mm-hmm. game out there, you may have a 1,000 people in your neighborhood. And so there was really kind of four main issues um, that, that seemed to be raised. There may be some additional issues that have come up since then, but at the time it was parking, security, lighting, and kind of uh, neighborhood wellness. And so when we put together our plan to submit to uh, Unit 4, uh, we tried to take those concerns of the neighbors because we want to be great partners, right? I mean, our kids are there every single day. They lift weights there. They practice there. You know, they, they, uh, they change in the locker room. They take good care of that facility. We want to be great partners and great neighbors uh, there as well. So we tried to address those main issues within the, the framework of our mm-hmm. plan. Now, they played for years and years there. So yeah. has, has you know, the those, neighborhood changed that much? Or, you know, that or, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I've certainly, you know, my um, my expertise is pretty anecdotal uh, because yeah. I've spoken to several neighbors that were there and, you know, they tell me, man, this was great. I used to walk here with my dad and mm-hmm. we'd watch you know, the great Andy Dixon play football here at, at mm-hmm. McKinley Field. And, and uh, so there is some history, but it has been since 1970. So uh, while there has been baseball and other events there, I think uh, just the uh, idea of, the, of the, the grandness of a Friday night football game was maybe a little bit more than some, some of the neighbors could overcome. And with all that in mind, as we visit with Patrick Rouse about McKinley Field and Unit 4 and uh, Champaign Central playing football there, uh, the game was originally with Urbana scheduled to be on a Friday night. Correct. It's a week that I think Illinois plays earlier in the week. Uh, yes, I, think I know there's right. not a home game. Yeah, that there's Saturday. not a home game that Saturday. I think they play Thursday night. That may be right. And then this game was scheduled for Friday night, but you're trying to get it moved to at least Saturday. Yes, right? Saturday at that, one o'clock is what our proposal has been, and and that was really um, um, for the neighbors that had said, you know, we don't have streetlights here. Our our streets are kind of narrow. 
you know, if you got a lot, the parking there is is not as big as it might be at Tommy Stewart Field. So you get you know cars leaving on Friday night without street lights. You know, we might have a problem. So we said, all right, that's cool. We don't need to do it on Friday night. Let's do it on Saturday afternoon. There's certainly uh, precedent. You know, the Central Centennial game I know has been played on Saturday afternoon. Most high school playoff games are played on Saturday afternoon. So mm-hmm. we thought that was a nice compromise. Saturday, you know, beautiful fall Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon when Illinois is not in town. Uh, for folks to come over and watch a little little football. And I know you've worked, Patrick, with some folks that have, uh, when it comes to parking and getting shuttle service, you've kind of worked with businesses to help with that. Right? We have. Yeah. We've got a plan in place. Uh, our, our parking plan is kind of two phases. So, number one, there's about 130 parking spots at uh, the South Side and, and McKinley Field area. So, our plan is to pre sell with a ticket package, parking passes like they do for a lot of other events. Uh, so when folks show up there, they'll have a physical parking pass to hand off. And then for, for folks that, you know, it's going to be a first-come, first-serve kind of deal. And so for folks that can't get their hands on those, we're going to organize shuttle service from an off-site location. I've got some buy-in from some, some local businesses. And Central High School may be a possibility as well yeah. uh, for us to run shuttles, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes before the game and then take them back afterwards. Yeah. We were calculating the distance actually from Champaign Central that, to McKinley Field. Yeah, I thought about walking that yesterday, <laughs> but I ran out of time. <laughs> Just to see how long it is. We've heard anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes uh, to walk from it's, Central. It's, but um, uh, for an able-bodied person, it's not too terribly taxing, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. For, and, of course, all these years, they've, they've bust over and shared the field at Centennial. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you so played at Centennial. I did. Right? This and is this is kind of an interesting. I've I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten a lot of feedback from some of my old teammates yeah. uh, that I'm a turncoat, but you know, blood is is uh, thicker than water. I mean, I've got a son on the team, and yeah. So what they do now is is they leave school, they go change, and they warm up at at McKinley Field, and then they take a bus and they drive over at, at, to Centennial. And uh, I know it's Unifor's Field, but for those those kids that have, they really have uh, developed a tremendous sense of pride. Um, in their facility there. They, they consider it their home. They treat it as such. I mean, I think my son's locker is cleaner than it is his bedroom at our house is. So, um, <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> it's tough for them to go walk over into their quote-unquote home locker room, and it's got Charger Country and Baby Blue and all that kind of stuff, and it would be a tremendous source of pride for our, for our kids to be able to play a game there. So the next step is it goes to the city. As right. I understand yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what we're really kind of in the process of doing and now in, in earnest is um, – soliciting feedback from the surrounding neighbors. Uh, we're going to go out, players, parents, coaches, and we're going to walk the neighborhood here in the next week or so uh, with a copy of our plan. And we want feedback, you know, because there could, like as I said earlier, there could have been issues that have come up since 2018 um, that is a concern to the neighbors. And, and we want to be great neighbors. We want this to make be a really unifying community mm-hmm. event like it is in most communities. You know, high school mm-hmm. football in most communities is a pretty unifying affair, and we want that to be mm-hmm. the case. For people that uh, don't realize or don't completely understand this, what uh, Patrick and the other folks that uh, with the football program have been asking is for one game. That's correct. Uh, so this is not the whole season. Yeah, but you know, I guess you hope would hope maybe down the road if you can work through the partnership with the absolutely. If it's a, if it's a win win for everybody, for sure. If we can pull it off, we would love nothing more. Um, but we we have to prove ourselves. You know we. Um, um, we have to go and, and uh, put on a good show and, and uh, show that that uh, we can that, that that footprint can handle this, and we think it can. Yeah. How many spots were there? You said Parking around 130. 130. And okay. then I went over to Urbana uh, High School the other night and counted spots at uh, uh, the Aquatic Center over in Urbana, and there's 140. So uh, while the footprint is not 
ideal. Uh, it certainly has some limitations. Uh, there's nothing that's insurmountable, I don't think. And as we said earlier, it was visit with, with uh, Patrick Rouse here for a couple of more minutes with GTPS Insurance. Uh, it's not like the field hasn't been used at night. Right. I mean, freshman football, I yeah. mean, this is during the week, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we, there, there's I not as big attendance, but. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, certainly we would hope that with the varsity football game would be a, a large crowd. But, you know, girls soccer uh, is very popular and they've had some big crowds at their games at night and um, the, you know, the lights have been on. And so it's 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 possible. And, you know, while there may, may have been some issues, either none that I'm aware of. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can get an answer on all this. I'm certainly hopeful. Pretty soon, yeah. Certainly Cause, hopeful. Because you'll need a little turnaround time, I guess, or to yeah. get ready. Yeah, so. I would I would certainly think so. September 24th will be here before we know it. Yeah. So um, uh, we're, we're very hopeful that we can solicit um, neighborhood feedback. And, and we do have an email that we've got set up mm-hmm. for community feedback, which is McKinleyFieldGame at gmail.com. So if folks want to send us uh, an email of support, of concern, with questions, uh, we want to be able to have as much uh, data as possible for when when the city makes this decision um, that we know how everybody feels about this. Yeah, so give that uh, address again. Uh, McKinleyFieldGame at gmail.com. We talked to Urbana. I guess Urbana just waiting to see what happens. You know, right? I'm, I'm busy trying to work out the logistics <laughs> of all this deal. That's yeah. up to Coach Turner and the yeah. administration at Central. It's, it is our home game, so it's my understanding that we can kind of determine when that is going to be, and, and mm-hmm. so hopefully there won't be an issue mm-hmm. there. Doing otherwise? How's GTPS insurance? We're doing just going fine. good. Doing just fine. Yeah. Yep. Down there at First good. Federal and yep. everything. Yep. Yeah. You got it. Your dad and everybody's doing great. Doing good. Yep. Ready for football? Line I'm, football. I'm very ready for that. Yeah, you got your uh, line eye garb on today. Always. <laughs> always. It's uh, looking forward to a good season. I think uh, we're going. Our quarterback play is going to be good, and and uh, I, I have no doubt we'll be in a bowl game somewhere come yeah. come December. Hey, good to see you, Patrick. Brian, thank you. Thank buddy. you. Appreciate, appreciate it. the insight. Good, yes, sir. Good luck with this. Thank I you hope very it works much. Out. I really appreciate the time. All right, nine twenty-one. Back in a moment. All right, thought that was pretty good. Get a follow-up, kind of, to all the talk we had yesterday on uh, McKinley Field and uh, Unit Four and Champaign Central football. So. Anyway, uh, check it out. If you'd like to uh, add some input, maybe you're in the neighborhood, you'd like to uh, get with Patrick, he can uh, take your input for sure along the way. All right, 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. If you have some electric issues, the folks at MX Electric, the man at MX Electric, he's got a great team too, of course, Max. Max Painter, give him a call at 217-359-7293. And if you have some issues, big or small, if uh, you've got a ceiling fan that's cut out or you've got a short somewhere, you've got a fuse box issue, or you've got, you're trying to mount a, a TV or a microwave or you need a generator, I mean, you name it, he can do it. And his team will get it done. They do big jobs and small jobs. You say, well, I don't want to bother him with this little job here, this isn't that big a deal. Well, it is. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to him. 217, I just made a new slogan for him. 217-359-7293. And uh, he's been at this, I think we're on the anniversary of his starting his business. An entrepreneur that, you know, when he uh, started the business, he thought, hey, I can I can uh, do this and help people out and do it at a, a personalized level. And that's what he's done. 217-359-7293. Inflation numbers out today. The um, index, I think it's up uh, 
Inflation hit fever pitch in June, with consumer prices surging again. Administration officials are increasingly trying to contain voter outrage over runaway consumer prices. Stressing that President Biden is maximizing efforts to bring down inflation ahead of the November midterms, which could be a bloodbath for Democrats. Now, energy prices have come down a little bit here in the last few, uh, in the last week or so. I mean, what was it? I think I gassed up, what did I gas up for yesterday? 440 something? 448 maybe? Which a year ago would have been, you know, like, oh my goodness. But it was like, well, that's not bad. I'll take it while I can get it. I think it cost 50 something to fill up as opposed to 70. <laughs> so it made a little bit of difference in that regard. Small business sentiment plunging to a 48-year low as inflation worries mount. Small business confidence dropping again in June. The most business owners since 1980 reporting rising prices were their single most important problem. National Federation of Independent Businesses, a Tennessee-based association of small business owners, says its small business optimism index fell to 895 Last month, sixth straight month of readings below the 48-year average of 98. The outlook increasingly pessimistic for many small businesses. The percentage of owners expecting better business conditions over the next six months falling to their lowest level. Uh, Businesses also struggling to get new employees. Half of owners reporting they could not fill open jobs. I've seen that. I've heard that from folks. Just can't get the people to work. Labor Department reporting last week there were 11.3 million jobs open at the end of May. The number of available jobs topping 10 million for eight consecutive months. Before the pandemic began in February of 2020, the highest on record was 7.7 million. Of the small businesses trying to hire new workers, a stunning 94% reported that few or no qualified individuals applied for the position they were trying to fill. So it's kind of a a double whammy there. I think the number this morning was 9.1%. So there you go. It's up and continues to go up. 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. Officials on absent council member, they say, ask her, Alicia Beck has been absent from the last five council meetings, May 24, June 7, June 14, June 21, and July 5. She did attend a Champaign Police Memorial Ceremony May 20. Deb Pressey writing in the News Gazette today. Uh, Beck did not return emails or calls from the News Gazette last week. Attempts to inquire about her whereabouts were at the city manager, Dorothy David, were unsuccessful. Tom Bruno, who will join us next week, said he doesn't know why Beck hasn't been at meetings, said it's kind of an awkward interpersonal hot potato. So we'll uh, talk about that next week with Tom and try to figure out if we know where she is. So that's in the uh, News Gazette today. And let's see, article on Michael Finke in the News Gazette today. Got uh, the numbers, if you're interested in what the numbers are, what the players are going to be wearing this year, the new guys on the team. Terrence Shannon wearing number zero. Sincere Harris, number one. Jaden Epps will wear number three. 
That was Jacob Grandison's number. DeMonte Williams, of course, has worn 20 the last five years. Ty Rogers gets that number. Paxton Warden is a walk-on. He'll wear 22. Our buddy uh, Doug Altenberger wore that number, and, as well as Garris, Kiwan Garris and Lucas Johnson. Matt uh, Meyer from uh, Baylor, number 24. Dane Danger will wear 42. Sky Clark will wear number 55. And uh, Sean Pruitt is the only other Illini to wear number 55. That's interesting. <laughs> All right, there you go. There's some interesting numbers uh, on today. And I got some election news out of Pennsylvania and Wisconsin as we get ready for the uh, midterms coming up here in November. And house races lose swing as partisan redistricting whittles away competitiveness. Yeah, there's not really very many races that are that competitive. I mean, they're already so divided, one end of the spectrum to the other, in the House of Representatives at the national level. And then you draw the uh, gerrymandering that goes into effect that we've seen here in Illinois, or if you see it in other states. And both parties do it, let me tell you. They do it. It's just, it's just uh, when you get the chance every 10 years, it's just raw power. That's all it is. And you see that with the way the district, like District 13, Congressional District 13 in Illinois, the way it's drawn. It's just like a, it's like a dagger right from here down to East St. Louis, and, and a narrow one at that. It just doesn't, you look at it, and then you look at the 15th, and you're like, what in the world? Looks like I said this on our sister station. It's like a first grader was given a crayon and just drew the districts. Well, here's what it looks like. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hey, with Patrick Rouse on, I had to relay a favorite memory from Central High School around maybe December of 96, 97. Patrick was seated in the front row of the visitor team bleachers during what was always a high-spirited rivalry game between Central and Centennial. Centennial took the lead by two with maybe two seconds left, and Patrick jumped onto the sideline to celebrate just as Central lost a three-pointer from about half court that went in. The look on his face will always be a fun memory. He went from such excitement to such sorrow. And I, as a Central Max Maroons Pep Club member, jumped for joy as Central won the game. Robert in Muhammad says. <laughs> yeah, that's what and, he, and Patrick mentioned this. That's what he's he's been taking some ribbing from his from his buddies because he's a Centennial guy. And here he is. But now, as he said, he's got a son at Central, and he's a Central booster, and he's trying to get this done for Champaign Central. So good luck. I hope uh, hope it works out. That'd be, that'd be cool to have at least one game there, the Saturday game. And it sounds like he's worked really hard to work on some of the logistics, or maybe some of the concerns the neighborhood might have about having a varsity football game there back at McKinley Field for the first time in 50 years plus. 9.32, let me get to uh, CBS News, brought to you by our friends at First Mid Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. We'll come back with more. Here's the latest on inflation. Here you go from CBS. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong with those. Huh? Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Birthday today, he is 80. 
How many movies has he been in? Holy cow. You name it, he's in a movie. But uh, Harrison Ford, 80 today. So happy birthday to him, Patrick Stewart. Captain Picard on the uh, Next Generation uh, Star Trek, 82 today. And uh, let's see. Who else we got here? Okay, uh, yeah, this this day, this is the other thing I was going to say. If you remember this, 1977, 45 years ago, New York City area blacked out for 25 hours after lightning struck power lines in upstate New York. And this is the day the uh, Live Aid concert took place in Philadelphia and London to raise money for Ethiopian famine victims. And this is 1985 now. Over 1 billion people in 156 countries watched the event. So that's pretty good, 1985. Anyway, those are some of the things that have uh, happened on this date. Hi, Brian. Is inflation still Putin's fault? When will Joe Biden be responsible as president for his deplorable energy policies causing the suffering of the American people? Well, he's not on the ballot uh, as far as actually being on the ballot in November, but um, his policies are, and my guess is, I mean, unless something really dramatic happens between now and then, which it's hard to get anything economically turned around very fast, my guess is he'll be held responsible. So I would, my answer would be in November, if that's the answer you like. I'm assuming that's a rhetorical question, but we'll see. 9.38. By the way, uh, tip of the cap to our uh, buddy Willie Comer. He's been out uh, with uh, Youth for Christ here in East Central Illinois and Berean Covenant Church. The Above the Rim has been going on. There's some uh, commentary on that in the News Gazette today. Jay Simpson writes about it. And they've been out at uh, Garden Hills and Hedge Road last couple of days. Uh, they'll be out there again today, 9.45 to 1.30 every day. Got the... Uh, Basketball hoops set up. They've got remote control cars. Police chief was there. The mayor was there yesterday. The police chief, the new police chief, was handing out his number to be reached uh, by any of the kids. Hey, if you ever need a need something, call me. So building relationships there. And they'll have a uh, tournament above the rim, they call it, at uh, Brookins Gym. Coming up July 14 and 15, the Mayor's Trophy Championship game at Brookings on July 15. So that's been going on in our community. So uh, if you're in that area and you want to check that out, certainly you can do that. And a texter says, why do people keep blaming Biden for inflation and thinking it's only happening here? It's far worse elsewhere, and it's happening everywhere. Well, Boris Johnson got hurt by it, too, I think, over in uh, Great Britain. Hey, it's that's the way it's that's the way it way it goes. When you're the president, whether it's entirely your fault or not, and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But if you're the guy in charge or perceived to be in charge, it's your fault. Voters don't care. Okay? It, that's just the way it is. That's life. 217-356. I'm just, just laying it real there for you. 940 at DWS 
on a penny for your thoughts. Uh, Greg is with us this morning. Hi, Greg. Hi, Brian. This uh, consumer price index says that the inflation's nine point one percent. It's it's actually closer to twenty or twenty five. I was reading about the CPI. They take everything into consideration except the cost of food and fuel. And the, the reason they don't do that is because it's so volatile. Well, you know, that's what that's what people buy. They buy groceries and they buy gasoline. And uh, this thing about the president going to Saudi Arabia to talk to the, the crown prince about producing more oil, you know, when, they, when he shut all this off, first day of his administration this was part of this new green deal mm-hmm. well you know if if drilling is not good for the environment in the united states why is it so good if he buys it from saudi arabia yeah no that's you know, a good it's a good money. question he's he's beholden to the progressive wing of his party and so and uh you know, when he ran for president, he talked about Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, and the uh, regime they have over there, the, the human rights violations, uh, called him a murderer. They murdered that uh, journalist from the, I believe, the New York Times. And now he's over there trying to deal with them. I, I don't agree with that. You know, we got plenty of oil. I was in Montana earlier this year. There's all kinds of drilling rigs that are shut down out there. And, uh, you know, if we've got such a shortage of oil in this country, why are we selling it to the Chinese? I did read that it's this sour, high-sulfur oil that we can't refine. Well, the reason we can't refine that oil here is because for the past 40 years, the green people, the environmentalists, have not allowed any new refineries to be built. Well, here's what the, uh, yeah, no, you're right. There haven't been any refineries, you know, I mean, of major, right, built for several years, right? we got two companies that basically control all the refining in this country, ExxonMobil and Phillips Conoco. And uh, when I read that the oil that they sold to the Chinese was going through one of Hunter Biden's companies, and, and there's... You know, there needs to be an investigation between Hunter Biden and uh, what Joe knows and when he knew it. You know, if this was Trump or a conservative in office, that's all you'd hear. Well, at least from MSNBC, right? Well, from from all of them. Yeah. You know, this, uh, this January 6th thing, this is just a deflection to take away the attention from what's going on with this current administration. This country, I thought Jimmy Carter was a disaster. I lived through that. I remember interest rates. You'd go and buy a car, the interest rate would be 18 19%. You know, it's just nuts. Mm. Yeah, well, that was part of a decade-long issue we had. I mean, he, yes, he was in office when all that was happening, and and you're right. I mean, he was he was at fault, ultimately. But uh, there was wage and price controls in the early 70s. You had the uh, OPEC oil shock. You had, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that added up to by the time he became president that it was in bad shape, and he didn't help it any, for sure. And it took a long time to get it uh, halfway straightened out. And this thing that's going on now, this will not end 
after the election. It's going to take years to get us back, to get the country back where it was. Yeah, even though if you look at the first two years of Ronald Reagan, I mean, it, uh, you know, and he got punished politically for it the first midterm election uh, in 82, as it took that long to get stuff turned around. I'd like to hear somebody call in, maybe Dr. Gertz, the uh, uh, economics professor, uh, and have him talk about this CPI and why they don't report the true inflation. You know, you take gas and, and groceries out of that, yeah, it's 9.1%. But you put a, all the stuff that they don't report in, it's over 20, I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's been to the grocery store lately knows that. Well, well uh, that'd be a good question for him. So thank you, sir. Okay, Brian. I appreciate it. Good good to hear from you. 217-356-9397. We're talking about why U.S. Petroleum Reserve Oil went overseas. The uh, spokesperson at the uh, for the White House said oil is a commodity traded on the global market. And while the United States government does not control oil and gas companies, the commodity the industry sells or the market the SPR remains a critical energy security tool to address global crude oil supply disruptions. Uh, strategic Polar, uh, Petroleum Reserve, I guess, is what that is. Domestic oil and gas companies are eligible for sales and exchanges from the SPR and have benefited from the releases to date. So have foreign companies, according to Reuters and the Department of Energy's own press releases. Reuters reported that uh, crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, was headed to India and the Netherlands, as well as China. According to an April press release from the U.S. Department of Energy. So there you go on that. All right, uh, what oil did Biden shut off, one listener says. Well, he pulled the, you know, he stopped the building of the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, uh, Look, there's you can there's no one thing you do that shuts oil off. There's not a giant spigot somewhere you just turn it off, but it's the whole attitude uh, towards the oil and gas industry, oil and coal industry or whatever that we're not going to do anything to help you. And that's the, you know, and and I don't know all the particulars of how oil is drilled or where it's drilled or the contracts or you get a contract to drill or lease or whatever. I mean, those those things don't happen day one and they don't happen day ten. I mean, it takes a while to get all that stuff done and you've got to have the incentive to go drill the oil or the shale or whatever it is, fracking or whatever, to go do that. And if you're getting signals from the administration that they're not going to be supportive of what you're doing, well, then what's the incentive? You're not going to make any money, and you're not going to do it for free. So there's just a lot more to it. I think it's more the attitude of the Biden administration, and that's where the progressives have come in on the... I mean, they run the Democratic Party, and they say, you know, the... the, uh, global warming is going to bring an end, and we've got to stop all this, and we've got to get out of fossil fuels, and to get any kind of support from that wing of the party, to get anything done in his own party, he's got to at least throw them a bone once in a while, or he's got to enact some of the things they want to enact, or don't enact this, or don't support the oil industry. I mean, it's all it's all tied together, so it's not as simple as turning it on and off a spigot. Just my thought, anyway. Uh, January 6th committee is not a distraction. The Trumpers aren't watching it. 
Trump tried to overthrow this country, he needs to be in jail. All right, 948 here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Dean is with us. How you doing, Dean? Hey, good, Brian. How are you? Good. Hey, the previous caller on that CPI, uh, he was incorrect. That 9.1% number does include food and, food and energy. The number out today, it's called the CPI All Urban. And so the actual news story says reflects higher gasoline, shelter, and food cost. And there's another number that will be out that's the core CPI. That number, the core CPI, does exclude food and energy. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, because isn't there a number that I saw the number somebody was pointing out? The number is actually was like 4.4% if you don't count. Am I right? Am I missing something there? That I do not know. Yeah, there, okay. there, was an, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about maybe a month ago that they they always make changes to these indexes and stuff over time. And that particular article cited if they went back to the way they calculated the numbers, uh, you know, during the 80s, 80s when the previous caller was citing the so-called, you know, Jimmy Carter inflation, yet our CPI number would be actually higher than what is being reported. Um, I don't have that actual article in front of me, but there was something about a month ago that was reported in the Wall Street Journal that, that discussed that. So yeah. that's all I had to say. Okay. Hey, Thanks. very good. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. Yeah, I may uh, make a call into uh, Fred Gert, see if he can explain it to me. Uh, 950 at DWS. Fred, if you're listening, give me a call. We'll see if we can figure this out, what the CPI is, what's in it, et cetera, et cetera. All right, 9.50 back after this on Penny. On a penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400, 953. Glad you're with us. And 76 degrees. We had Patrick Grouse on the show off the top talking about this uh, Central and McKinley football game, trying to get that done on a Saturday afternoon against Urbana in September. It's the week Illinois plays Chattanooga on a Thursday night, by the way. We talked about that. If you missed any of yesterday's show, there was a lot of talk about that particular topic, you can go to WDWS.com. What is the Consumer Price Index? CPI measures the monthly change in prices paid by U.S. consumers. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, calculates the CPI as a weighted average of prices for a basket of goods and services representative of aggregate U.S. consumer spending. The CPI is one of the most popular measures of inflation and deflation. The CPI report uses a different survey methodology, prices sample, and index weights in the Producer Price Index, PPI, which measures changes in the prices received by U.S. producers of goods and services. Key takeaways here. The Consumer Price Index measures the overall change in consumer prices over time based on a representative basket of goods and services. The widely quoted CPI is based on an index covering 93% of the U.S. population, while a related index covering wage earners and clerical workers is used for cost of living adjustments for federal to federal benefits. 
The CPI is based on about 94,000 price quotes collected monthly from some 23,000 retail and service establishments as well as 43,000 rental housing units. So I hope that helps. Uh, Your caller is wrong about the CPI. It includes everything except the CPI does not include investment items such as stocks, bonds, real estate, and life insurance. These items relate to savings and not to -to day-to-day consumption expenses. All right, back to the phones here to Sarah. How are you doing, Sarah? Good morning. Just fine. I haven't heard too much about this in the general news, but for 10 years, uh, Stand Up to Coal has been fighting the Sunrise Coal's proposed bulldog mine, Mm -hmm. which was going to be placed nearby Homer, Seidel, Broadlands area. I just wondered if uh, you had heard of that. About issue. about the issue, um, yes. just kind of vaguely. Um, yes. Let's see here. I'm I'm just Google it now. Yes. Let's see. Six days ago, decade decade long fight to stop Illinois' last new coal mine succeeds. Yes. That's what the story said. What what they were planning to do, they had bought uh, the mineral rights from folks, and uh, at that time, people didn't think. It would probably ever be enforced. Well, they did. And they were going to go in and mine coal using a column method, hmm. which would mean scooping out underground of the, the, the fine soil that we have here and leaving columns. Hmm. Okay. And uh, there was a lot of concern about the environmental damage that would do, let alone to discharge into the sulfur water. But anyway, we we did not need a coal mine in central Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one of the, uh, now the folks there wrote the story, the proposed mine, uh, they say, would have endangered private wells, could have contaminated groundwater due to coal slurry impoundments on the site. Uh, some yes. evidence could have altered the flow of water, leading to flooding. Local residents uh, would have suffered from airborne coal dust pollution, while nearby streams were poisoned by mine discharge. Yes, um, so. and that doesn't include coal trucks running over roads either. Yeah, so this was going to be uh, was near Homer and Seidel, right? Is that where it was? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. It, uh, the reason the permit was pulled, they had not made had not done any improvements, which could have been as small as preparing a parking lot Hmm. to show that they had made improvements. So Hmm. fortunately, this has been squashed. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you letting me know about it. Thank you. Yeah, it's really really interesting to read about. It is. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, Sunrise Coal did not break ground to request an extension. The land reclamation bond has been returned, signaling a permanent end to the proposed mine. So, yeah, the Bulldog Mine. I, I had heard vaguely in and out uh, about it, but didn't know the particulars in that way. Uh, the response from the president, a texter says, is that the numbers are outdated, the inflation numbers, and don't reflect the real USA economics picture. How could that be? Well, I don't know if they reflect like today. 
if that's what he means, and I'm thinking that's what he's what they're trying to sell, basically. I think people in general, hey, you, you see the numbers, they're bad. But if you're in the White House, and this would be true of any White House, if you're in the White House, you're like, well, you're going to spin it any way you can to your advantage. Bad news, you're going to, well, it's not as bad as you think. In this case, I mean, technically, I mean, the numbers are coming in from last month. So it's last month's. Now gas prices have come down. We'll see what the numbers show next month in that regard. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, here's the weather. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. Hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. Good to have you with us here uh, this morning as we come your way, doing an open line up until 11 o'clock today. Tomorrow we'll be joined for a little bit, about uh, 30 minutes, by the Champaign County Sheriff Dustin Harmon. We'll uh, talk about the recent closing of the Champaign County downtown jail and the special use permit that got by 4-3 to to be approved. Uh, for the additions, I guess, and all the things they want to do at the satellite jail. And, of course, they've moved all the inmates out to various jails, to various places. So we'll talk to him about all that and what's new with the uh, Champaign County Sheriff's Office for sure. And then we'll do some open line time after that tomorrow. The Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, Seven Deadly Sins That Could Wreck Your Life Plan. Join Thorpe Facer and the Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center today at one thirty. Reserve your space. Better hurry, 217-337-1111. All right, got some various texts that have come in here. Uh, Text says people using Fox numbers, I guess Fox Network numbers. LOL, just like Trump does with real estate, that's fraud, go to jail. Okay, Uh, texter says a couple towed a trailer behind an 80,000. Okay, I don't... A couple towed a trailer behind an 80,000 electric truck. 80,000-pound truck, I guess. I don't know. Electric truck. Had to stop every 100 miles on a 2,700-mile trip 27 times, a listener says. Okay, appreciate that. Uh, Hi, Brian. uh, From Natalie says, This game at McKinley means so much to these boys, more than anyone knows, my son in particular. He's a third generation to play football at Central. I've watched as these young men have come together as a family. They want the neighborhood to join them and become a part of the Maroon family. I really encourage people to reach out and listen to the proposal. I think it would also be good for them to hear from the players. You would be surprised about how important this is to them. All right, appreciate that, Natalie. On the text line, 217-351-5357. Another text on the Keystone Pipeline says the Keystone Pipeline was dirty tar oil. It was going someplace outside of the U.S., and all the permits to get it built were bypassed, and so it went through parks. Those things leaked. The current one has leaked 12 times. 
I did see a uh, story back, well, how far was this, five years ago, 2017, a total of 210,000 gallons of oil leaked on Thursday, this is 2017, from the Keystone Pipeline in South Dakota, TransCanada said. Crews shut down the pipeline. Officials investigating the cause of the leak, which occurred about three miles southeast of the town of Amherst. Uh, this was the largest Keystone oil spill to date in South Dakota. The leak came just days before Nebraska officials announced a decision on whether the proposed Keystone XL pipeline, a sister project, can move forward. In April 2016, there was a 400-barrel release, or 16,000 gallons, with a majority of the oil cleanup completed in two months. Okay, that was a story from 2017. And your caller is wrong about the CPL and includes everything except the CPI. does not include investment items such as stocks, bonds, real estate, and life insurance. Those items relate to savings and not to day-to-day consumption expenses. All right, 217-351-5357 is the text line hums along here, 1015. John is with us. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, Brian. I'm having a pretty good day. I got up this morning, sitting in the park, and a lady come by, and she said, uh, John, you got some good grandkids. And I don't understand one thing. I said, what's that? They're saying that uh, black kids are teaching white kids that they're bad. And I had to tell her that's something that somebody made up. It's not true. She said, well, it's it's called CRT. I said, it's just something that was studied in college, and people are running with it. Black children are not teaching white children that they're bad. And she asked me, what is woke? And I said, that's a word that a lot of the slaves used, and they didn't say wake. They said woke, you know, because of slave masters and, and uh, slave runners or whatever. But then there was a, a singer, Lead Belly. He was the one that made that word famous. You got to be woke, you know, let know what's going on. And I tell you, some of these phrases is going crazy. Then she brought up another one. What is white replacement theory? I said that's lead paint. We we replacing lead paint. <laughs> they need to come out. They need to leave this stuff alone. People are going, you know, and these are seniors asking these questions now that young people are coming up with and some of our politicians, and they need to be careful because people are getting really leery about all this stuff now. We're going to lose this country if we don't pull it together. It's just crazy. But I explained to her it's just made up. Well, hey, uh, yeah, I think I think what, uh, you know, the, I think all of this, whatever it is, whether it's CRT or otherwise, it's it all boils down to whether, you know, people believe the country was founded – you know, perfectly, and everything was perfect with the founding fathers, which it wasn't. It was not. Uh, it, right. it was not, and you know they made mistakes too. But uh, at the time, and it still is, it, uh, an amazing system that they put in place. Uh, that you know, from what most of the world has operated on, um, you know, since the beginning of time. And uh, it was a remarkable document they came up with, and uh, that's why you have amendments, and that's why you have, you know, you had a civil war to try to get this fixed, um, you know, and it still goes on today. And I think, uh, and, but there are other people that say, you know, the founding of the country was wrong from the beginning, and we ought to throw it out and start over. And, um, well, you know, it's, it kind of falls into one of those two camps, I think. 
I just look at it, you know, if you look in the Bible, what happened back then, it's happened today. So I think they set up something, they had to go from somewhere, and they did it the way they did it. The only other thing I look at is uh, General Flynn. I don't know if he thinks about it, but under the Code of Military Justice, I think he could be called back to active duty, and he could be court-martialed. He needs to be careful. <laughs> it's a crazy world out here right now. Hey, thank you, John. It sounds like you're out take in the care. park, so take it easy. Oh, yeah. I am. Take okay. care. All right. Bye-bye. 217-356-9397. I saw an editorial somebody wrote in the L.A. Times, and I don't know if I printed it or just looked at it. They said, you know what, you know, the the whole Constitution is just outdated. It needs to be changed. You know, it just, uh, they wouldn't have known all the things we were looking at today. They would have known about the technology we have today, et cetera. That's the first time I'd seen in print somebody saying not just that, you know, the the founding fathers were not perfect or whatever, but this was like the whole Constitution needs to be trashed. And it's like, are you sure about that? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, and, and I've always said, too, you can't, what people do is they take where we are today and you go back and you you put it down in 1775 or 1770 or whatever, and you say, well, you guys should have known better, you know, and it's like you can't do that. I mean, the slave trade was all over the world. doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that it was there. That was the time they were living in. And as time went on, uh, you know, you had abolitionists and you had eventually the division in the country that led to the Civil War to try to, eliminate uh, slavery and uh, i mean it um, and ever evolving in the 13th and the 14th and the 15th amendments that came after the civil war and the continuing you know trying to make it better trying to for a more perfect union as they say wasn't perfect at the start america's not been perfect but it's pretty darn good compared to the rest of the world and that's why all the people keep wanting to come why are all those folks coming up from the from the southern border why is that? Well, because their belief is that this is a place that they can make it. And uh, there's a reason for that. So, anyway, that's just um, some of the things I've read here lately. I find interesting. 217-356-9397. Tim is on Penny here. How you doing, Tim? Good, Brian. Um, Jeff Telesio's, uh article in the paper about McKinley Field and champagne mm-hmm. he's leaving out a little history quite a bit of history that was where champagne high school played their football games i believe until 1970 that was keeping central central playing on their theme when they renovated central high school really i'm going to call it champagne high school mm-hmm. and they need to do a little bit of history of what was there and how they've you know, $7 million renovation of a uh, football field, you need to play some of your varsity games there. I, I agree, you know, playing at Urbana, but still, kids at Champagne go to Centennial. They dress at their at their practice field and go over there and travel. They have no home field. I used to make a $20 bet on Saturday because if Champagne Central played Bloomington, in the paper, it was called Tommy Stewart Field. But then if Centennial plays, it's called Unit 4 Field in the paper. So 
the people in the neighborhood need to understand that was their home field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a long time. So they, 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 they need to come to an agreement saying, like, we can't have litter, we can't have trash, but may, maybe um, they get a couple of Saturday games in and they'll, they'll do a Friday night game, maybe at 530 the seven seven thirty game is not going to make it, but I think uh, Jeff D'Alessio needs to come back with another article with the history of hmm. McKinley Field yeah. and That's who it was named after because Urbana is the same. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, there's no ghosts or in the closet that they would rename McKinley Field. It's after President McKinley. Yeah, and we got a street by that name too. Oh yeah, yeah. so. Um, maybe you can pass that on, but I okay. think you need to, uh, to run like a little, another article on that because yeah. I think it really needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. The history would be very interesting for yep. sure. Okay, Brian. Yeah. Oh, the, you know, the, the field actually ran, uh, east, west and now they run it north, south. Oh, okay. And that old, that old, uh, track was cinder too. Yeah. Terrible. Well, I've had a couple of people <laughs> tell me they were cheerleaders on the cinder track, so. Oh, my <laughs> Don't want to fall on your knees. They remember that. We had one of those in Tolono, too. So, Oh, God. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. I remember it. Appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. Yeah, well, it ran on the uh, for PE. You know, Coach Somerville or Ray Cummings or whoever, you know, had us running out there on that cinder track. 1024, you fell down. You got some cinder in your knees for sure. Back in a moment on Penny for Your Thoughts. I don't know if you know where you were, July 13, 1990, but the romantic thriller Ghost, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, opened in theaters across the United States, but uh, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, Potter's Wheel, remember that? We're looking at 32 years ago, is that right? 1990 was 32 years ago? Holy cow. All right, uh, that, there you go. Ghost opened in theaters on this day, 1990. Uh, John F. Kennedy on this day, 1960, 30 years before that, nominated for the presidency. Defeated Lyndon Johnson for the nomination. Lyndon Johnson then named his running mate. And you talk about contested elections. You know, all this talk we've had over the last few years about contested elections. How about this? November 8, 1960, Kennedy got 49.7% of the vote. Richard Nixon got 49.6%. Boy, I wonder how that would play today. 49.7 to 49.6. That's how close it was in 1960. And then Kennedy, or I mean, uh, Nixon went on to lose the race for governor in California, said you wouldn't have uh, Richard Nixon to kick around anymore, and then he was back. So politics can be a funny business for sure. 
1028 at DWS. If you need some roof work done, Roofs by Roger is who we recommend. Uh, roof uh, by Roger been around since 1985. Roger with 46 years of experience himself. If you're thinking, man, I can't really afford. My air conditioning bills are up. My inflation index is 9.1%. Gas is up. Well, they do a situation where you can finance on-the-spot approval. No down payment, and you pay only when the work is completed to satisfaction. So you might look at that. They have enhanced warranties, so your roof will last longer. That's good. You can go to RoofsByRoger.com, RoofsByRoger.com. They work with all the insurance companies on handling the claims so you don't have to. Residential and commercial. Give your house a facelift. Most important part of your house probably is the roof, right? It's the biggest part. So give them a call, 217-834-3800, Let's see here. Uh, eight kids have died in the last eight months of the, under the Illinois DCFS watch, Cook County Public Guardian. Why is that, uh, why is that happening? I'd, I'd be honest, I hadn't heard anything about this just because it's up in Cook County, I guess. Uh, but Cook County judge uh, finds the director of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services in contempt for the fifth and sixth time this year. This was from April. I'm sorry, back in March. Director Mark Smith facing four previous contempt citations for failing to place children in proper homes in violation of court orders. Each of the six contempt citations included a $1,000 per day fine for Smith. So if you Google uh, Cook County DCFS, you'll find the story. 10.30 at DWS. Donna is with us. Hi, Donna. Hi. Uh, I just thought you'd like to know that my sister met John F. Kennedy when he was campaigning here in Champaign-Urbana. Is that right? Yes, he was coming down the steps, you know, from where wherever it was on campus, and he shook her hand. And he wouldn't let go of her hand until he turned to the Secret Service and said, get her address. She got an invitation to the inaugural ball to go to D.C., but she couldn't make it because our uncle was sick. Oh, my goodness. So how old, would, how old would she have been? How old would she have been then? She must have been about 18. 18? Okay. Yeah. And, that is, and the funny thing is you were talking about Lou Henson. And Lou Henson was there when my mom and dad were honored by DSC, and he gave them the award. Wow, they were honored by who? By um... Lou Henson. Oh, Lou Henson. They were honored by DSC, and he gave them their award. I see. Okay, yeah, I caught the Lou Henson part. I just didn't catch the letters you yeah, gave, so I got it. Okay. My parents about fainted. <laughs> but no, really, it's, uh, you know. But I just thought you guys would like to know that. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that, Donna. So that have been on campus. Well, huh? not too many people know that. Yeah, so that would have been. I looked in the mailbox and I see White House. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Brian, no, really, it's uh, you know, it was one of those things that I'll never forget looking in the mailbox and seeing that. I bet. Now he he had been on campus. Oh, yeah. Is that he had been on campus? Is yeah, that he was on campus doing campaigning and back where I guess the front at one of the halls he was speaking at. Okay. And uh, all my cousins from Sedoris, of course, were there. 
hmm. just about half of them. But, uh, wow. yeah, we just lost a cousin. I don't know if you ever knew Mike Wood, did you, Brian? I don't know. Mike Wood? Yeah, his yeah. son, Lee, or Jesse. Hmm, okay. I don't know if you ever knew him or not. But I just thought you'd like to know that, Brian. That's yeah. something a lot of people don't know. Well, I appreciate that, Donna. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Okay, very, thank you. Very good. Bye-bye. Thank you. 1033, need to get to the news here. Blaine's Farm and Fleet sponsors that. Your ag headquarters helping you get the job done right with farm supplies and equipment, fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin-based and family-owned since 1955. And we'll come back with more after this. Ten thirty six here on a penny for your thoughts. Busey Bank. Make sure you don't get uh, taken by uh, fraudsters out there, and uh, make sure you don't get uh, abused. Basically, I mean, to call victim to financial fraud. You don't want to do that. Uh, never give personal information. Busey reminds: Social Security number, account number, other financial information. Do not give that over the phone unless you initiated the call and the other party is trusted. It's something where. You know, they require it. But if someone's calling you say, hey, I need your Social Security number because I need the... No. No. Uh, they say pay with checks and credit cards instead of cash to keep a paper trail. Interesting. Uh, check references and credentials before hiring anyone. Don't let workers allow... Don't allow workers to have access or information about your finances. Never pay a fee or taxes to collect sweepstakes or lottery winnings. Never give personal information. Lock up your checkbook. People still have checkbooks, I guess. Do they? Best way to protect yourself, uh, I, I still have them around. I don't have a checkbook. I don't carry a checkbook with me. If I get a check, I just rip it out and take it with me. I'm trying to remember how many checks a month I write, actually. But uh, plan ahead, Busey says. Protect your assets. Ensure your wishes are followed. Best way to protect yourself to be proactive, visit Busey.com or stop by any of their convenient locations. All right, I checked the uh, numbers because I gave the numbers for John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. John F. Kennedy nominated for the presidency on the Democratic side this day, July 13, 1960. Somebody said our elections have been screwed up for at least uh, since 1960. If that's the numbers you gave, they're correct. That's over 100%. Well, you're wrong because I added the numbers and it's 99.3. (laughs) 49 and 49. Those numbers add up and then you add in the percentages is 99.3. The overall vote, John F. Kennedy got 34,227,096 votes. Richard Nixon got 34,107, 646 votes. And that's not very much. Now, the electoral vote was 303 to 219. There were a few other candidates, too, that ran from the Socialist Labor, the Prohibition, the Socialist Workers, the Constitution Party. They shared the other uh, percentage. But no, those two percentages add up to 99.3, so it's not over 100. All right, just doing a little math there on the calculator. 10.1038, uh, I'm sorry. 
Facer Law Office. Remember their uh, conference center today at the I Hotel. If you'd like to jump in on that, 217-337-1111. 217-337-1111. Somebody asks, who's more brainwashed, the far left or the far right? I I just... Uh, I just think if you if I'm I'm watch I, I have a TV in the studio I you know go back and forth I've seen the MSNBC and Fox the two uh, two of the big cable channels the two stories that one is covered by MSNBC all the time is January sixth they're always on January sixth that's all they cover occasionally they get into the inflation or a big story or whatever Fox News has a lot of coverage of the border they've got people down there every day covering the border. Um, they also talk about inflation a lot and the numbers and uh, Joe Biden and his future in the Democratic Party and et cetera. But it would be interesting to kind of each just go all day long and just kind of mark down how many times on MSNBC January 6 comes up, how much time on Fox the border comes up, because every time I turn them on, those are the two stories that are on a lot, the majority of the time. But I, I do think that people tend to live in their own silos and only hear the people they want to hear. They don't want to find out any reasoning behind what the other side's thinking. They just, you know, if you, you, you jump, you're in one camp or the other. And I just, I just think back, I read an article recently about, you know, when the, when the people are divided up into their tribes or their, um, you know, there are different groups. You get Yugoslavia. You know, you get you get a mess. Um, everybody's, you know, out for themselves instead of feeling united as one country. Yes, we agree to disagree, or we disagree on this, and we disagree strongly, but, hey, you can still be my friend. And uh, anymore, it seems like, well, I disagree with you. You can't be my friend. You're, you're just wrong. And not only are you wrong, you're evil. And that's... Unfortunately, our representatives, that's where we are in uh, in Congress, too. It's uh, Hey, Brian, that Kennedy-Nixon race was close. Those dead voters in Chicago are still voting today. <laughs> uh, same old story from Biden and his supporters. Blame everyone else, make excuses, old numbers. So while the price of gas is maybe a little lower, inflation of everything else is skyrocketing. Uh, Janet Yellen said inflation was transitory. Had to admit it's here for the long haul. Now we're moving into recession, which Biden and his friends deny, while Bank of America's Jamie Dimon says brace yourself for an economic hurricane. Maybe after the economy crashes and burns, Biden and company will start taking responsibility for the American people's suffering, this listener says. And somewhat else weighed in says the inflation expectations already are coming down quite a bit. We'll see if that uh, if that holds true. I hope so. It needs to go down. <laughs> However, it's getting there. But no, the whole when they said it was transitory, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not transitory. I mean that uh, I, there was too many economic shocks to the country with the pandemic and shutting down the economy. Remember, we just isolated ourselves for several months. Remember all the talk we had. We had on this show. We had restaurant owners. We had people that. Um, we're struggling with their businesses and so forth, trying to stay afloat. I mean, that's a you 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 take that and exponentially carry it out across the country. 
Uh, you're trying to rebound from that. You get into stagflation. You get, there's all if you just read economic uh, magazines or economic articles, you can kind of piece it together as to what they're thinking and what's happening. But even back then, it was like okay. You're trying to put the ultimate spin on, or you're hoping that it's only transitory because there was too many things in place that were going to make it difficult to um, to make it. Uh, Ten forty three at News Talk fourteen hundred DWS. Back with more penny for your thoughts after this timeout. Precision Painting is our friend over there. Chad Ebert is the uh, man, 217-637-6288. Go to their website, ywhyprecision.com. They're confident you'll be happy guaranteed. They'll get you the full-size sample sheets to kind of give you an idea of what the work they're going to do in your house is going to look like, not the little chips that are kind of hard to tell, and make sure the lighting's where you like it. and You don't have to worry about moving the furniture around and getting it all in the middle of the floor. They'll do all that. They're experts in making walls look brand new again. They do a great job. Chad Ebert, Precision Painting. Quality calls for precision. He's been the owner here. They've been in business for 20 years. They Over 200 local letters of recommendation, Super Service Award, Angie's List, A, Rated, you name it. They have done it. Precision Painting. Give them a call or text. Saw some editorials of various election rules around the country. State's new budget in Pennsylvania calls for $45 million to help counties there run their elections, including roughly $4.75 million for Allegheny County. That's good, they say, this editorial does, but the rules of the Election Integrity Grant Program that counties must accept to receive the money are ineffective and counterproductive. For no good or rational reason, legislators and the governor of Pennsylvania retain the practice of prohibiting counties from starting to count mail-in ballots until the morning of Election Day. Pennsylvania counties have to start the entire process at 7 a.m. This outdated practice unnecessarily delays certification. Such delays will only lengthen as more people vote by mail. Most states pre-canvass their mail-in ballots, open and scan the ballots to prepare them for counting days in advance. That allows them to quickly add mail-in votes to those on Election Day. Uh, the chair of the Senate State Government Committee in Pennsylvania says too few Republicans support pre-canvassing to even bring it up for discussion. They want voter ID. Besides keeping one bad practice, le- legislators added another one, forcing counties to continue canvassing and counting without stopping until they're done. And this editorial says legislators clearly didn't ask the people who actually run the elections what should be done. Uh, the 2020 election showed what happens when states can't declare a winner within a day or two of the vote. Unscrupulous candidates exploit the delay. They claim they've been cheated. Despite the evidence, partisans become convinced the system is corrupt and the newly elected candidates are illegitimate. That further polarizes the country, something the dangerously divided nation can ill afford. Also out of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court prohibits use of most ballot drop back boxes. And this is there's a lot to get into here, but basically uh, ruled that no one can return a ballot in person on behalf of another voter, dealing a blow to Democrats ahead of crucial contests in this perennial battleground state. Voting rights groups had argued that restricting ballot drop boxes would make it harder for some residents to vote, especially those with disabilities. Conservatives in Wisconsin, though, had maintained the voting practices employed in the state during the 2020 election 
such as the widespread use of ballot drop boxes, violated state law and opened the door to potential fraud. And part of the issue here uh, had to do with the Wisconsin Election Commission, a six-member panel that helps oversee voting in Wisconsin. It overstepped its authority when it issued guidance to local election clerks to allow the use of drop boxes in the 2020 election during the height of the pandemic. And uh, part of this, I think, had to do that uh, they said it should come from the state legislature, not the Wisconsin Election Commission, is what that had to do. But even that vote was close, 4 to 3. Uh, they said a statement, one statement said, Wisconsin voters can have confidence that the state law, not guidance from the Election Commission, has the final word of how Wisconsin elections are conducted. And that was a close race in Wisconsin. Joe Biden nearly won Wisconsin by 21,000 votes in the year 2020. 1050 at News Talk 1400, DWS. The other race, the other story I saw, House races lose a swing as partisan redistricting whittles away competitiveness. It's because the... Um, when voters head to the polls in November to decide who controls the House of Representatives, those in a small fraction of districts will get to have uh, won't get to have much of a say in it. That's because the bulk of House seats in the 435-member chamber are drawn by partisan state lawmakers to ensure their side wins and the other side loses. Nothing new about it. Term gerrymandering goes back to the early 1800s. Map drawing chicanery. But due to specialized map-drawing technology and growing partisan trends in politics generally, it's possible that less than 10% of the House seats will actually be competitive. So anyway, those are some of the election stories I've come across here in the last uh, couple of days. I wanted to work those in. 1051, the January 6th insurrection and the threat to democracy is huge, this listener says, huge in all caps. It should be covered. Uh, by the way, why does a retired Army General Flint still have his pension? What happened to his oath? Okay, and somebody else says, good morning, probably next. Illegals will be known by the Socialist Democratic Party as absentee voters, Gene says. <laughs> okay, appreciate that. 217-351-5357. Got opinions all over the place here. On a penny for your thoughts, 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. That's been a busy place today, all over the board on topics, and I love it. Larry's up next. Hi, Larry. Hey, uh, Brian. Yes, sir. Uh, uninformed people make uninformed decisions. Each congr congressional district for representatives is approximately 700,000 people. They're not drawn to include massive numbers of one uh, political party or another. They're drawn to include 700,000 people. Now, having said that, in a lot of cases, they're drawn to include more of one party than the other, but the number mm. is 700,000. Mm. Okay. So who, who sets the number? Is that like the – you're talking it, – it, It's set by Congress. Okay. Huh. And that, that's why some states lose, like Illinois did, and some states gain, like the states in the South where people are moving to. Ah, I see. Okay. 
Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, and so what you're saying is when they draw them, like the 15th district in uh, Congress that Mary Miller won over Rodney Davis, they drew it all over the place, from Quincy over here to Danville and down, wherever it goes. Uh, but there's 700,000 people in that district, but they're just all Republican voters for the most part. Approximately, yeah. yes. Yeah. 700,000, yeah. Mm. Okay. And the other thing that I would like to throw out there, as a veteran who went 12,000 miles away to fight a war for people to have a right to vote, I don't know how any veteran can support a Republican candidate that tries to limit people that live in our country's right to vote. You talk about the new restrictions in the different states or or yeah, changes. Three states have passed laws to make it harder to vote, hmm. and we all know why they're doing that. It's about black, it's about black people, brown people, red people, women, etc. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As long as you're not black, brown, red, yellow, or a lady. Hmm. Well, hey, I appreciate your comments, Larry. Thanks. Thank you. you All right. Good to hear from you. 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-351-5357. Hey, good morning, Brian. Long-time texter. I was never into politics until 2016 when Trump took over. It was the bread and butter issues. Policies were good for all Americans. Retirement funds, food, fuel, respect across the world. Uh, way too many positive things to list. I just can understand how people can't admit that his policies directly influenced us Americans in a positive way. The arrogance and mean tweets can go in one ear and out the other. Now our country is paying dearly. Thanks, Brian. I love your show. Well, I love you that, that you're listening, so thank you. All right, 1055. Got to get a break in here. We'll come back and start to wrap it up here in a moment. A text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says, Larry is more correct than we would like to admit, Tim says. Another text says, how about Hunter? Hunter Biden, I assume. Wake up, people. If inflation and your crashing 401k scares you, then stop voting liberal socialism, which are usually Democrats into our state and federal offices. And another text says, nobody in other countries respected Trump. They all laughed at the U.S. All right. Uh, thank you for all the texts on the text line. By the way, uh, Larry mentioned some of the numbers. I, I looked it up real quick. Since 1789, when the federal government began operating under the Constitution, the number of citizens per congressional district has risen from an average of 33,000 in 1790 to over 700,000 as of 2018. All right, so I just looked that up and saw that number. I, I don't know. I'd just forgotten that number or didn't realize what the number was. And, of course, then, you know, California has a bunch of representatives because you've got a lot of people living in California, whereas Wyoming has one representative. But everybody gets two senators. And that was kind of the compromise even back to the days of the colonies. You know, they were fearful of Virginia and others having an outsized say in what happened in the Congress. And so the compromise was that, Okay, we'll give each state, regardless of size, two senators. And I saw in this, uh, there were people complaining about that now, that, you know, because Wyoming only has so much population, why should they have two senators and California only have two senators? And I'm like, well, that's what they came up with. That's, 
to try to so you don't have California, New York, and a couple other places run the country. That's why they did it. Back then, it was uh, Virginia was a big one. Those guys were pretty smart back there, by the way. You may get frustrated with how they uh, what you know the way it works, but those guys were were pretty sharp, I think. Ten fifty eight at uh, News Talk fourteen hundred DWS. Been a lot of fun today. We've had a lot of different topics. Love the. The open line topics, everything from McKinley Field to 401Ks to General Flynn to JFK to et cetera, et cetera. We'll do it again tomorrow. We will have uh, the sheriff on, Champaign County Sheriff Dustin Harmon, talk about the closing of the downtown jail and where we go from here in regards to that. Thanks to our producer, Blake Landa. Blake's in his last week with us, by the way. We'll talk about that as we get closer to the end of the week. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.